Podcast Strategies, Episode 66, Podcast Strategies for Lawyers. Now, today is a special episode. You're going to get to hear me interviewing one of my clients, Ernie Svensson, Ernie the attorney. Uh, Ernie's a law blogger. He helps a lot of small firm attorneys grow their practices and also utilize technology in their practices to make their lives easier and more efficient. So I'm going to ask him some questions about his podcast and how he got into it. And we're going to talk a little bit about what he's found beneficial in creating a podcast. All of this is going to be really helpful for you, whether you're a lawyer who's busy or another small business owner who's busy, who wants to market their business and their practice. And you probably think that podcasting is the least thing that you would ever want to do because you're just overwhelmed. And honestly, that's what most people think. And that's kind of what Ernie thought for a long time. But he learned what podcasting could do for him. And now he understands better how it works and how to get one off the ground. And so I wanted to interview him to talk about his journey from even before he started his podcast to when he figured out that he would want to do one and how he got it off the ground. So I thought this might be a great thing to share with you. And now without further ado, here is Ernie, the attorney, Svensson. Awesome. So Ernie, you have been a client of mine now for a little over a year. It's like just over a year. But I don't think that was where you started your journey. And I mean, I know we talked in Austin at Mike Kim's Influence and Impact event about you starting a podcast. And that's where our relationship really got up to speed. But what was your early journey like in thinking about starting a podcast? Well, I, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I had been on a lot of podcasts over the years and knew a lot of folks who had their own podcast. And, you know, from talking to them, I, I could see it was something I could do because it's, I'd already started a blog. And to me, writing is harder than podcasting. At least once you have the podcast all set up, you know, get microphones, speak into it. That part I knew how to do, but, you know, picking a theme song, figuring out how to upload it. And then I knew that there was intricacy involved in paying attention to SEO. I just knew that like the days of just throw up a website or throw up a podcast and you're good to go and that's good enough. I knew that those days were gone. So I knew I needed to be strategic about it. And I knew that that meant I needed some expert guidance. And I had taken an online course or a course with somebody who taught you the the basics. But I'd seen this movie before. Like, you know, it gave me the information, but I was going to have to a lot of dots on my own. And the reality was I was too busy. I didn't really want to. I'd worry about if I connected them wrong. And when you and I started talking, I was like, aha, my guide, (laughs) person (laughs) who can take me to the promised land. So that's how, you know, I went from thinking like, yeah, I could do this. I should do this. But how do I really make it launch? Yeah, it's really, the landscape has really changed in the last three or four years. Three, four years ago, you could have start a podcast and immediately have a thousand downloads per episode just because there weren't that many podcasts. And in the last couple of years, you've had the introduction of things like anchor 
Anchor.fm, the app that allows anybody to record a podcast and release it. And that's made it challenging for, for people to get seen. But like you said, it, it, it is relatively easy to start. You'd taken the course, you'd gotten the gear and you were ready to go. But it's, it's that, mm-hmm. like you said, it's the details of knowing who to use to publish your podcast, how to get the podcast out there, how to get it listed um, on right. all sorts of directories, Apple's directory, Google Podcasts. And there's a new directory all the time. I mean, I get I get emails once a week yep. from Libsyn, who is is your host and your publishing company. And they're telling us about a new destination they've right. made a, a, an agreement with, and you can now automatically publish to that. So you got, you got to know those things. It's, it's a little bit old school in a way. Podcasting has never changed from that original idea of hand-coded RSS feeds. And it's, it's everything has to connect to that RSS feed and it can get kind of complicated. But let's go, I want to hear a little bit about why you chose to start a podcast. I know on my show, I talk about the benefits of podcasting a lot. But for you personally, having been a blogger, mm-hmm. having developed a community over many years, what was it about podcasting that was important for you? Well, you know, so what I discovered by accident, by having a blog early on before blogs were even a thing, and then experiencing what the benefits of it were directly without having somebody have to explain it to me, was that a blog was a way for people to get to know you, like you, and trust you. And if you wrote in a down-to-earth way, which you know was how I wrote, and you you know you wrote to the right audience, you know you would you could earn trust, right? And that's great. Except the problem with writing is you have to do it. You can have misspellings, and if you know if you write it, you have to edit it. And and editing writing is is cumbersome. But it, you know, it, to me, it seems easier than editing a podcast because a podcast you have to go in and find all the ums and ahs or not put them in the first place uh, or fix problems that come up. And so I knew that podcasting was easier in one sense, but harder in terms of the editing. But I knew that it was a trust-building instrument. See, I mean, I, just, I knew that, but I didn't really appreciate the full impact of it. Like, you know, and it was really Ray Edwards and Mike Kim mm-hmm. and some other folks in a mastermind meeting that I, were, that I was in one time who said, Ernie, like, you should start a podcast. I mean, you, you just speak your mind, you speak in a certain way. And I said, well, tell me why you think a podcast would be so great. And everything that they said turned out to be true. And basically what they said was, you have to understand, like, when you're podcasting, you're in somebody's ear. They're listening to you. They hear your voice. Video is even better. But I mean, you know, people can't watch a video while they're driving or running. And so podcasting is a sweet spot for communicating with your desired audience. And so I knew it wasn't about trying to build a huge audience necessarily. It was about finding the right audience and then connecting with them through a podcast. Mm-hmm. I still didn't appreciate how powerful it was. I mean, I, I thought I appreciated it because I had been on podcasts. I talked to people who did it. I wasn't you know, a naysayer. I, was, I, I embraced it intellectually fully. But since I've been doing it, which is for a year now, when people tell me they listen to their podcast... It's a whole different thing than when people say, oh, yeah, I read, I read your blog. The people that listen to the podcast regularly, mm-hmm. these are people that you know, are, are highly engaged. You know, it's not the same as with, with writing. You know? Yeah. One of the complaints a lot of people that work in podcasting have for a while is that we don't have 
the analytics. The, we don't have the stats that a lot of other formats have, whether it's Google Analytics on your blog or whether it's the analytics you can see on YouTube with videos and things like that. But we do have a good number of mm -hmm. surveys out there. Uh, Edison Research for over a decade now has done a yearly survey about audio in general in terms of internet audio and and the way people are consuming audio, but specifically podcasting. And when you dive down deep into some of those analytics, I mean, we know the anecdotes of people loving a podcast and meeting the podcast host in person. And they start asking the podcast host about some story that the host told six months ago. <laughs> and the host doesn't even remember that they told that story. And they're like, how did you know that mm -hmm. about me and all this sort of stuff? It's that friendship connection, uh, that one-on-one. -on -one. But when you look at the analytics, you see things like podcast listeners will take a 50-minute episode and the majority of them will listen to, and we're talking 85, 90% of listeners, will listen to at least half, if not all of that episode. So they're consuming hours upon hours of content mm -hmm. where you get the blog reader, you get the video watcher. If you have a two to three minute video on YouTube, you're lucky if people watch the first 45 seconds a lot of the time. So the, the podcast listeners that they're, right. they're very different. They're, they're very connected to you. And like I was, uh, I don't want to spoil it because it's Tuesday when we're mm -hmm. recording this, but um, Mike Kim, who we mentioned earlier, he is another one of my clients and he has an episode coming out tomorrow and he's talking about email headlines or something like that. But there's a section of this episode where he talks about, he's almost exclusively gone to email marketing you know, emailing his list and talking about stuff on his podcast because he knows that of those, right. that percentage of people that know of him, those are the people that are actually going to listen. They're going to care. They're mm -hmm. going to buy something. They're going to trust right. him. They're going to come back. They're going to sign up for a workshop or something like that just because they, they really feel like you're their friend when you're, when you're the podcast host. Yeah. So what has been... Right the response so far. It sounds like yeah. it's been good for you. Oh, amazing. No, it's been, it's w even better than I imagined. And I imagined it would be wonderful. But I, you know, to your point about the metrics, I don't even look at the metrics. I mean, I can go in and see how many downloads, but it's kind of like what I do with email. Like I can look at opens and I can look at clicks, but that's, you know, I, I can tell if something's working because if I send an email and, you know, it has a call to action where people buy stuff, if they buy, mm -hmm. you know, shortly after the email goes out, okay, that tells me everything I need to know. And it's kind of the same way with podcasting. I mean, go look at the numbers, but what I know is that when people sign up for my, like, my workshops, which are you know not a trivial amount of money, they have to really trust me and, and know something about my approach to believe that if they you know make the significant investment of money and time and energy, that it's going to be something that they're going to feel happy about having done. It's the people that listen to the podcast that are the ones who for sure take action with the workshop or, you know, more likely, you know, sign up for things. And they tell me that. And that's when I realize, like, oh, okay. And and but you're right, they talk about it like I'm already their friend. They go, Well, yeah, you know, we were talking about this. And they'll tell me things and it feels like they know more about my life than would be ordinary. But then I think, oh, of course, that's right, because I podcast. Mm -hmm. But they listen to every episode or almost every episode, right? So that's the big difference. 
And so therefore, I look at this and I think, well, anyone who wants to reach an audience, you know, for marketing purposes, and if you, you know, obviously you have to know which audience you want to reach. And if you can, you know, learn to feel comfortable or just, you know, feel comfortable and just, you get comfortable doing it, just talking to them phone when there's nobody there and feeling like you're having a conversation. If you don't feel good at that, you know, get a co-host or somebody to talk to. But if you can, you know, reveal mm-hmm. yourself and be yourself and let people listen, they're going to figure out who you are. And the ones that, you know, you're going to enjoy working with and that are going to enjoy working with you, all that magic happens a lot more quickly and easily. And it's amazing. And frankly, if, if somebody said, Ernie, we're taking away everything you have, you're going to have to rebuild it all from scratch. Now, you know, you have this blog, it's got this amazing audience and everybody knows you as Ernie the Attorney. So you're going to have to start all that stuff from scratch today. Mm-hmm. We wipe the slate clean. I would start with podcasting because here's another thing I've learned, which I know you know, is take the podcast episodes and then send them yeah. to be transcribed and send them to right. a writing exactly. service. <laughs> turn that into a blog post. And I've been doing it. Yeah, you already spent that time. Uh, la- what? I think it was earlier this year. I'm trying to remember when it was. I was trying to to get better at at doing webinars and things like that for my stuff. And I took a look at some of Russell Brunson's perfect webinar stuff and got on his list. And he did a virtual summit type thing with a bunch of his, I forget what his club is, like the seven figure club or whatever, the people that have used ClickFunnels and have made a ton of money with pyramid schemes or whatever. I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. But it was this fascinating virtual summit where each of them, he basically asked them to take 10 minutes and tell him if if they lost everything, like you were just saying, if they lost everything and they had to start over from scratch, what they would do to make back the seven figures in like 30 days or something like that, or do something crazy in 30 Let days. Let me guess, most of them said podcasting. Yes, yes exactly. of course, because these are high level people that understand right. how the game is played. And see, the thing is, I didn't understand the component about taking the, the transcription thing so mm-hmm. much until I, uh, like you, I follow these people that are doing it at a high level. And that's what Joe Polish does. That's what Michael Hyatt does. That's what Dean mm-hmm. Jackson does. That's what Mike Kim does, I'm sure. Like everybody, yeah. like why wouldn't you do that, right? Like you have this content, it's a little, it's mus- it's messy, right? You don't take the transcript mm-hmm. and just, you know, pump it out there. You need somebody to tweak it, but those people are out there and yeah. they're not that expensive. And it's, so you have all this raw content. In fact, this is how you could write a book. And this, this is how you should write a book. In fact, I am writing a book this way. Like I just, mm-hmm. episodes of my podcast and think, okay, this is going to be in the chapter so if it's going to be in a chapter, what do I want to talk about? Now I give it to that person, they write it. And I'm obviously, you know, going to take the final product from the copywriter and, you know, make it mine. But that's easy to do. What's hard is mm-hmm. starting from scratch, writing. That is very hard, right. my friend. Yeah. Avoid that. And if you want to next level that, the way that this whole, this repurposing cycle, I suggest now, particularly a lot of my clients, start with a live video. Mm-hmm. Do a weekly live broadcast where, you know, you could be having a discussion, you could have multiple people on, there's plenty of tools to make that effective. And then edit the live broadcast down to your podcast. Mm, yeah. So your podcast is, you know, you're recording just like you and I are now. We're talking through Zoom, but 
you're recording on GarageBand, I'm recording in Pro Tools, and we're going to put that together and we're going to make it sound even prettier. Mm -hmm. And then you can transcribe for the blog. And then from the blog, you can pull out quotes to put on Twitter, to put on Instagram with quote cards. You can create your audiogram, you know, like a little sneak peek of your episode from that audio. And then weeks later, you could even come back to, hey, go back to Twitter and look at, okay, what performed best? Right. How, which quote had the most likes? And then go do a two-minute video and put that up on YouTube. And you're basically from one chunk of content, right. you can cover all of the content you need in your content marketing strategy. Well, and for lawyers, you know, I think podcasting is also more the way to start because once you've got you know, somebody to help you do it. Cause okay, they're not, you know, mm-hmm. most lawyers are not going to go through all the trouble and jump through all the hoops. Cause I mean, first of all, I'm way more tech savvy than most lawyers and I couldn't bring myself to jump through those hoops. I had to mm-hmm. have help me. And not just because of the tech stuff, but for a lot of reasons. Okay. So I got it going. And all I have to do is blabber into the microphone and not screw up the recording, which, you know, I, I messed a few up, but I now know how to do it. And you get the recording to you. You do all the magic to make it sound good. Now I have a transcript. And this any lawyer can do this. But the thing for lawyers is if they write, they tend to write like a lawyer. And that is not how you want your blog post to sound or any of your content to sound. You want to sound conversational. So if you start with a podcast or blabbering into a mic and then move from there, it's going to be... Uh, adaptable more easily for somebody to take that stuff and turn it into a blog post and so forth. So mm-hmm. yeah, podcasting is where you start. And then I know what a lot of lawyers will say, well, but I don't, who's going to listen to my podcast? And yeah. I, the answer is, okay, well, who are you marketing to? Hey, everybody. I really do hope you love my show podcast strategies. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to podcast strategies? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. There's this great new app out there. It's a free app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're feeling even more generous, you could actually even donate that PodCoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. There's no catch. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code, STRATEGIES, and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of podcast strategies on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So go ahead and go listen to podcast strategies or virtually any podcast you want to on PodCoin and sign up with the code STRATEGIES. I swear it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. I guess here's where we could talk about our friend Parker Larison because yeah. the whole message of hyper local, if you are hyper local, your podcast can be hyper local, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because for most lawyers, that's where their clients are coming from, right? They're coming from the local area. And yeah. you mentioned Parker, who's I know is in a few of your groups. Mm-hmm. Parker came to me after being urged by you to start a podcast. But in our initial discussions, Parker, uh, Parker's a personal injury attorney, and he was concerned that a personal injury law podcast would be 
boring. Right. Probably and right not interesting that. to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I liked it, you know, when he, uh, I learned some things about personal injury attorneys and personal injury law that I never knew. I was like, I always thought, oh, it's the guy on the billboard. It's the guy that you mm-hmm. see the commercial for and the ambulance chaser or whatever. And so I learned a lot of great stuff that totally changed my, the way I view that side of law. But we started talking about how it might be boring. We also talked about how an interesting issue for him and and personal injury law is that hopefully you only see a client once, Mm -hmm. right? You don't want to have to help a personal injury client multiple times because that means they've got really bad luck or something like that, Right. right? And so he realized that he needed to continually get new clients in the door and get in front of people. And his idea was to do a hyper-local show about his area. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Pochettula, Louisiana. Yeah. Right. You're more familiar with it than I am, but from what I understand, it's a bedroom community of of New Orleans and Baton Rouge. And it, there's like 10,000 people. It's known for the its strawberry festival. It, right, the strawberry festival. Yeah. And so he decided essentially to do, you know, to feature people from the area, mm-hmm. interview them, interesting stories, the type of stuff you'd see on the local news at night, heartwarming stories. He had the the principal of the high school that had just retired after 25 years. He had uh, this guy that was a linebacker, played at the high school and went to LSU and was a star there and has come back mm-hmm. to start a nonprofit to help the area. And he's done that, and he's also done restaurant reviews. He's recommends businesses, things like that. And he's essentially positioned himself as the digital mayor of Pochettula, Louisiana. Right. And it was fascinating to me. He started a Facebook group for the podcast, which a lot of people do. Like that's their way of building a community that people can come to from the podcast. Like that's smart. Yeah, and. It was, it blew his mind because from an area that has 10,000 people, not, you know, not a lot of people, they have a strawberry festival that's pretty famous from what I understand. In about three or four weeks of having this Facebook group up and running and only about a couple weeks of, you know, a couple episodes out, he had close to a thousand members (laughs) in this Facebook group, which is literally 10% of the town. I'm, I'm sure there were people from outside of it, but that speaks to... In areas like that, if you're the if you're the local lawyer, I, I tell realtors the same thing. If you're really connected to your area, you're probably better than a lot of people to speak about that area. And people are starving for that type of content. Their options now are really Yelp and Google. If they want to find out something about a local area, they don't have the newspaper anymore. They don't have the the reporter that's telling you about the area. So a podcaster a lawyer that really is entrenched in the area and knows the area. In Parker's case, he's grown up there. Um, his entire, you know, his entire life has been spent in Ponchatoula. It really allowed him to make a name for himself, even bigger name, without having a billboard. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> and all the stuff on the, you know, the yeah, main and, drag. Yeah. yeah. And so there's, so there's two components that I want to dissect out of that because so mm-hmm. there's one thing is the hyper locality phenomenon, which you know, you know, it's important to talk about. And then there's the other part, which is just being known and having people repeatedly be exposed to you, right? So those are two separate things theoretically, but but in this case for Parker, 
both of those things are working together. And so I would say to lawyers or people who feel like they're in a profession where, yeah, you know, nobody wants to hear me talk about my professional thing because I don't think anybody wants him to talk about personal injury all the time because that's, mm-hmm. you know, first of all, it's law, it's boring, you know, and, and it, it sounds too much like he would be marketing if he did that. So that wouldn't be a good option. But when he picks a hyper-local thing for his community, it is, it is of interest that he has enough expertise already or that he can, you know, uh, muster together for the podcast. If he can do that and build an audience of however many people it is, these are his loyal followers who now just think of him, even if he was never to talk about the law at all, other than periodically mention, oh yeah, I happen to be a lawyer. Then you're going to find, because this is the way it works, that people are going to go, well, I don't know a lawyer, but I know you and I like you and I feel like you're already Mm -hmm. my friend that I trust. So before I call anybody, even if it's not for personal injury, I'm going to call you because I know you. That's how referral marketing works, right? And that's what I discovered by accident when I started my blog. I was like, why are all these people trying to hire me? You know, they don't even live in the same state as I do. It's because they trusted me. But Mm -hmm. you can build trust better, faster and more powerfully through a podcast. The trick is you know, to connect it to your audience. So if your practice or your business is something that's regional or local, then giving regional or local takes on stuff, and there's always lots of stuff you can talk about. I mean, the list is endless of things you could talk about. And you just have to look for it. Just open your eyes and start paying attention. You can see, like for example, you know, you turned me on to a guy named Mark Bologna who has a wonderful podcast in New Orleans, which I didn't know about. So now I listen to it all mm-hmm. the time. I feel like I know Mark. But there's a bunch of other things you could talk about with New Orleans that he's not covering. Like there's a Facebook group I joined recently where people are talking about things they overhear in New Orleans and how funny that is. Okay, you <laughs> could take that and run. That could be a podcast to some <laughs> Or you could riff off of it. You just need to find a topic that an audience will listen to and ideally... It's mostly the kind of people that, you know, you should get to know you're doing what you're doing, but you don't need to talk about that you do it all the time. That's the cognitive disconnect. I think some people feel like they need to talk about what they do. No, quite the opposite. (laughs) Just talk about anything that people will be interested in. And then after you know a while, they'll say, oh, okay, I get what your values are. I get what kind of person you are because, you know, people don't care more about who you are and mm-hmm. other things, right? Because if you're a good person in their view, they trust you. If they think you're kind of skeezy or you're just in it for the money, well, then they don't like you so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think as we kind of wrap up here, you know, we're talking about lawyers, we're talking about small businesses, the the realtors out there, the hyper-local people that tend to be good at, talking, mm-hmm. right? That they don't have trouble talking to other people. They don't have trouble telling stories because that's part of their job. That's part of what they do. For you, as someone who has actually started a podcast and got it up and running and has a, a background in technology and has been talking about technology a lot, what do you feel like for you are the one or two things that someone who is getting ready to start a podcast needs to know before they start a podcast? Uh, what I think that they should know is that it's going to be a lot easier and you're just going to feel better if you work with somebody. And I know it's going to sound like a total plug for you, but I'm just, I'm just saying like, I have done a lot of things on my own. I am very resourceful and independent. I have no trouble figuring out. I love figuring out how things work. That is like 
you know, in my Enneagram scale, I'm an investigator, number five. Like, I, I love figuring things out. But I have learned that if it really matters, you know, you have to think through what are you trying to do this for? If it's just to play around and learn something for your own benefit, cool, figure it out on your own. If you're going to use it strategically, and I would suggest, you know, if you're going to start a podcast, you should definitely do it strategically, then work with somebody who's done it for other people. I mean, you know, I, when I started, frankly, I thought, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I want to pay somebody all the time, but I'll use Danny and then I'll get started. And then after a while, I'll figure out how to do it on my own. I never want to do it on my own. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, the benefits are so huge. You know, it's, it's like now I compare it to like, well, if I was going to advertise, how much would that cost me? A lot. And mm -hmm. those people trust me when they saw my ads? No, not really. So this is way better than any other kind of marketing I could do. So paying somebody to do it makes so much sense, right? It just makes your life easier. You feel better. There are little things that you've pointed out to me along the way about tweaks that I could make. And I just don't have to worry about it. And I love mm -hmm. having something that provides massive value that's easy for me to do that I don't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. If I did it on my own, I'd start worrying about, well, did I get that right? Could I do that better? You know, Maybe I should try this. Oh, look, there's an article about this. Maybe I should try that. I have outsourced all of that thought process to you. Mm -hmm. And you are good at it. You pay attention to it all the time. So why would I try to compete with you or anybody like you? Just give it to somebody else. And I feel like this is what I tell lawyers about websites. Like Websites are great, but if you're not going to be serious about it and put it on a good host and pay to have it you know, properly designed and everything else, and you're trying to chintz it out for like $500 mm -hmm. or something, well, then you're not really serious about having a website to market. Now, if you just want to have, yeah. have it, yeah, fine, cheapskate it. But if you're thinking about this from a strategic point of view, then compare it to how much money it costs to do all the other lame stuff that people do that has a very low ROI. And frankly, it's just an expense. You know, paying for ads is an expense. That's just getting people's attention. Where's mm -hmm. the trust building component in most of the marketing you see with people? It isn't there, you know, with podcasting, miraculously, it is. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, I know, I, I think for most, most businesses, most business owners, the thing that you have to realize early on is what you're good at. <laughs> and what you're not good at, what you can do effectively or what you enjoy. Um, Trevinia Barber is a friend of ours. And, and on her podcast, she talks about that a lot because she runs a um, virtual assistant agency, an executive assistant agency. And it's finding what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, what you could teach somebody else to do. And for me, it's the same thing. It's I don't want to do anything with my website mm -hmm. because once I get into a website, I'll be in there for four hours mm -hmm. fiddling around with stuff that I don't know how to fix or don't know how to change. And I just need someone else to do that. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to tell people the one or two things besides outsourcing that would really help make things go easier at the beginning. What I tell people is if you are going to start a podcast, podcasting is not about the numbers. Okay. It's about building those relationships, yeah. right? It's about building this trust that we've been talking about. Absolutely. And so if you start a podcast, you have got to be prepared to go six months a year. Oh, yes. Before totally you really that. see yep. that that connection benefit you. And I, t I get 
podcasters all the time that are frustrated after four weeks that they only have 50 people listening each week. Oh, no. See, and, and I totally... Like, I've been doing it for just over a year now. And now is yeah. when I'm starting to really see it. Like, I, you know, you're right. Six months was mm-hmm. when I first started to notice it. But every week, it's it's increasing and I see more of the power. So yes, it's a yeah. long game of at least a year. Yeah. Because that's how trust works, right? Like, you right. don't immediately trust somebody because they would listen to their podcast for three weeks. Mm-hmm. You got to build that up and you got to realize that even 12 weeks in, mm-hmm. if you have 50 people listening each week, think about if you were speaking to a room of 50 people, mm-hmm. because a podcast is like that. Yep. Like I said earlier, these people are listening to the whole thing. They're, they're, pro- they're probably spending more time on your podcast than they are in most conference sessions. You know, there's always the people that walk out after 15 minutes because yep. they realized ah, this wasn't the session I thought it was. Right. The podcast people sought you out, read some descriptions. Uh, they understood what the episode was about before they showed up. And so they're going to stick around. And pretty quickly, those 50 people, you're going to start to see, you know, if you get 10 of those 50 on your email list, those 10 people are going to be the people that maybe sign up for something Mm -hmm. or call you about a a problem they're having or uh, start that client relationship. So yeah, that's what I would say is just, just be ready. It's nothing is... In a way now, it's hard for anything to be viral because there's so much content out there, whether it's video or blog or podcast, but everyone wants something to go viral. Everything everything they create, every piece of content, they want it to immediately stick and blow up and things like that. And, and in the real world, in the real world of Ernie, in the real world of me, and that just doesn't happen for well, most people. Well, I can tell you, I've had stuff go viral and I can, yeah. and I have observed other people whose stuff went viral and then I examine, you know, I'm interested in how it happened. If there's an article about how it happened. And, you know, here's the truth behind the, it went viral. First of all, I'd say 90% of the stuff of, that I've done that has gone viral in its own way. I'm not saying like Justin Bieber viral, but, you know, viral <laughs> in my world. Um, I never even saw it coming. I didn't think that was going to be the thing. And I've had things that I thought were going to go viral, but didn't. So predicting the virability is hard. But the reality is stuff goes viral because you're in the game all the time, right? Like Justin mm-hmm. Bieber didn't go viral, you know, like in an afternoon. He put in the work. He <laughs> put up a lot of YouTube videos. It went viral because he stayed with it. It's a long game. Yeah. Like all this stuff is you have to be in there every day. This idea that, you know, like the pet rock thing. Oh, somebody put a pet rock out there and they made a bunch of money. They thought about it. Every one of these people thought about it, strategized, invested time, money, energy. And then somebody noticed it. And then the story is it went viral. They never report the boring part that happened before. But there's always a boring part that happened before. Yeah, there is. Well, this was fun. Thanks for oh. thanks for getting together and chatting about this yeah. stuff. No, thank you for you know for chatting and for helping me you know, get off the ground because I would never have done the podcast without you. 